Hello, everyone, and I am very happy that you've joined us for another exciting edition of the Shiny Developer Series. Um, we have an awesome uh, topic and speaker to speak with today. I'll just mention again, um, we do um, post recordings of each webinar on our site at shinydevseries.com, and you can listen to the recording afterwards, and we will also be um, posting uh, links and follow-up on the RStudio community portal uh, shortly after the webinar has completed. So today, as always, I want to thank uh, Curtis Kethart from RStudio for helping um, me organize a lot of the arrangements here and getting our webinar kicked off successfully. And I'm very pleased to be joined by Nick Strayer to talk about his uses of JavaScript and his Shiny application work, as well as some of the awesome packages he's been developing. So Nick, uh, can you uh, can you hear us and can you do a quick test? Hi, uh, I can. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, can. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, we always like to start off these uh, webinars with a little bit about your background and um, how you got started with Shiny. And let me just also mention for the audience listening, if you have questions that you'd like to ask uh, myself or Nick, please feel free to use the, the chat and we'll send your questions in. We'll be glad to answer them as we go along. So, so Nick, why don't you first uh, start us off with a little bit how you discover Shiny and what was it like to learn that and um, some of the experience you have with that? Yeah, so um, just kind of clarifying my position so people have a little bit of context. I'm a PhD candidate uh, in biostatistics uh, at Vanderbilt University right now. Um, and so my shiny kind of story starts, I think, a how a lot of people's shiny story starts, which is I was developing uh, a model for my undergraduate uh, thesis research. Um, and it basically was a big model that had a bunch of input parameters um, and it simulated uh, an ecosystem. And I was trying to kind of convey what was going on in the model to my advisor, who was not very uh, R savvy. Um, and I'd heard about Shiny and I said, maybe I'll just put this in a Shiny app. And it took me about five minutes and I had, you know, a custom, you know, drag a little slider to change a parameter and it would put a nice plot out that showed the results. And that got me hooked. Um, and I had tweeted about it at the time uh, and Hadley Wickham retweeted it. Um, and it was like probably the most exciting moment of my life. Uh, and so since then I've been, uh, you know, digging into Shiny as much as I possibly can. That's great. And um, sounds like you've also done some awesome work in some previous roles around um, visualization and a um, little bit hands-on with JavaScript itself. So maybe you could expand a bit about some of your previous experiences and how that helped you learn things. Yeah, so my first experience with JavaScript started uh, when I was in uh, undergrad, I did a research internship at the University of Michigan uh, in their School of Information and specifically a human computer interaction department. Um, and so I was on a research project that the goal was to build um, an interactive visualization of some results from a online test that we had run. Um, and so I had heard about D3, which is a JavaScript visualization library before. Um, and so I heard, you know, we need you to make an interactive visualization. And so I immediately stubbornly decided that I was going to learn D3, even though I had been told it was, you know, a little bit, uh, maybe a little bit harder than might be 
typical. Um, so I spent a whole summer uh, reading books uh, on using uh, D3 for visualization. And then uh, basically, once I had learned that, I started trying to use it in every kind of situation I could. Um, and then, uh, so that ended up with me kind of taking data in and using R to kind of clean data sets, you know, from uh, open data portals or something like Kaggle, um, and then putting interactive visualizations online, uh, you know, tweeting about them and, you know, kind of just getting my feet wet with all sorts of basic uh, JavaScript visualizations. Um, and then that turned into uh, a little bit of work. I worked at the New York Times in their graphics department. Um, and for those of you who don't know, the New York Times uh, used to employ the guy that created D3, Mike Bostock. Um, and so it was kind of like the D3 mecca in my, in my mind. And so when I got there, I learned a ton from a lot of people that are just unbelievably good at JavaScript visualization. Um, and then since then in grad school, I've been kind of trying to take the advantages that come from JavaScript and interactivity that it allows you to do and merge it with uh, the incredible ecosystem of statistical and data science packages in R. Um, and Shiny is the perfect uh, use case to do that. Yeah, that's great. And um, for those that haven't listened to one of these before, that um, I've been an early Shiny adopter as well. Although I've gone, I've been able to go a long way without having to get into a lot of the JavaScript internals or or linking JavaScript with it. But I know I'm reaching a point where I need to start looking at this a bit more carefully and start to, you know, enhance my applications with maybe a more custom approach to say a visualization or some other processing. Um, I know back then, at least for me, it was pretty rough to think about how I might get started with this. But in the current landscape, it seems like now it's becoming a great time to start exploring this a bit. And I, I know you've been very excited about a relatively new package that's um, called R2D3 for getting started with kind of experimenting with D3 in the context of R and potentially a Shiny app. Um, can you just tell us a bit about what some of the things you're impressed about that and maybe give us a quick demo of how some of that's been working or how someone might get started with that? Yeah, so uh, for those who aren't familiar, R2D3 uh, is a JavaScript uh, integration package coming out of RStudio. Um, and so recently they've been you know, pushing a lot of these interop with other language packages. So Reticulate for Python and then R2D3 for JavaScript um, and R2D3 basically take something that used to be a little bit cumbersome uh, using like the HTML widgets package uh, to kind of go from JavaScript uh, visualization code and then linking it up with R data. Um, it makes it super easy. You just write a simple JavaScript script um, and then R will automatically send the data in and it works essentially seamlessly for the end user. Um, and so, I've, yeah, I've been very excited about this because previously, while it was possible and not too hard, there was kind of a lot of boilerplate uh, that was going on with setting up JavaScript in, in R, and now R2D3 makes it super simple. Um, and they have really nice tools for active developing um, of some of your JavaScript. It's just a, it's built into, D, or into RStudio now where you just save 
and it automatically refreshes the JavaScript visualization so you can get like a really uh, quick kind of edit iteration uh, going, which is really exciting. Um, and so I have a, a few examples. Um, I don't know if, if now would be a good time to try to do uh, the demo of, of kind of bringing in some of the R2D3 interaction with Shiny or if we should, uh, I don't know if, if you have an opinion, Eric. Yeah, I think let's go ahead and do a quick example on that and then we'll kind of transition to some other things we want to talk about. So yeah, I'd say let's go for it. Okay, perfect. So I am going to share my screen. Okay, so I am going to try something that is very ill-advised, uh, which is running a real-time live coding experiment showing how someone can kind of take R2D3 um, in its basic form and actually wire it up with Shiny so you can send data back from your JavaScript visualization into Shiny. Um, and so I'm gonna start just by making a basic uh, Shiny app. So Shiny web app, um, let's call it R2D3 communication testing. And so this is like, you know, when you create any Shiny app, you get this, uh, they give you this nice little basic demo app that you can run. Um, you know, everybody's seen this if you've ever created a, a Shiny app. So what we're gonna do is use the, uh, whenever, you, if you have a new version of RStudio, you get this um, uh, option that says, you know, new file D3 script. And when you click that, it spins you up this little file um, that is a sample R2D3 script. So we're gonna save this, we're gonna call it barchart.js, uh, and we are going to put it in this, and so this is the nice thing about doing R2D3. So we have this JavaScript file right here. Um, it's coded here and there's this little comment up here that basically tells it, gives it some sample data um, and then it just runs. And so if I change something, like say I wanna make these bars a different color, make them orange red, and I save it, it automatically updates. Um, I'm gonna give them a white outline just to show you how quick this can be, save it, and you automatically, right, just quick, quick changes. And as someone that usually when you develop JavaScript visualizations, you have this kind of process of, you know, you have to load the CSV in and you have to start up a whole web server and everything, and it can be quite annoying, and R2D3 really makes that, it's almost easier to develop JavaScript now in RStudio than it is in a dedicated JavaScript uh, IDE. Um, now that's that, something I would never hear in the past, but um, yeah, I can it, relate to what you're saying for sure. Yeah, it really is. It's honestly, I go to R2D3 kind of before I go to uh, a lot of other uh, services now, unless I have to do something really complex. Um, and so what we can do is go back into our uh, main Shiny app. And so we could say R2D3 testing. And we're just gonna remove everything that they give us. So now we're just at a very blank, blank app. So nothing there, um, but we're gonna put some text up here that we'll fill in in a little bit. We're gonna put an H2 tag. And we're gonna say text output. We're gonna say last clicked bar because what we're gonna wanna show is we're gonna wanna send information from our bar chart that we have over here. Um, we're going to want to be able to click on a bar so it might be you know the 
whatever that data might represent. And we want to send information back to Shiny about what bar was clicked. Um, and so we're going to leave that in the sidebar panel. Um, and in the main panel, we're going to render the D3. So it's going to be D3 output as the function. They, these are included in the R2D3 package for wiring it up with Shiny really easily. Um, and then we're going to call it uh, my bar chart. And then in the actual server, just like most uh, Shiny uh, UI and server pairs, you have, you say, in or output dollar sign my bar chart. And you're going to say render D3. So that's the rendering function, right? There's almost always an output and a render pair. Um, and then in this, you just say R2D3, which is the main rendering, uh, main kind of like uh, default function. If you were to run it outside of Shiny, you would just run it in this. Uh, we're going to point it to the script that we wrote. And then we're going to pass it some data. We're just going to give it some five normal vectors. Um, and then if everything went according to plan, oh, see, I made a mistake. This usually happens. Um, a character vector argument is required. So this is going to, oh, library R2D3. This happens to all of us. I'm glad that yep. oh, we no. see that Nick is, oh, okay, we got more. <laughs> Still happening. Uh, let's see, text output, D3 output. I'm gonna cheat and go into a uh, previously completed version of this. And we will see where things have gone wrong. Text output, D3 output. Let's just copy this guy. There we go. Okay, so this is just me messing up the syntax for this function. So now we have the Shiny app running with this uh, going on right here, but we haven't sent any data back. Um, and so what we can do is go back into our JavaScript here, and then we're gonna say on click, which is how you use D3 to bind uh, kind of a event. So you might have like on mouse over, on mouse off, but we're gonna do on click and for these each of these bars. So once we click a bar, we're gonna have information available about the data that went into that bar and then the index of that bar. So we're just gonna, send back uh, the information on what bar was clicked. So do shiny.onInputChange. And we're going to call this input user clicked bar. And then we're going to send it a string that says user clicked bar i. So we're going to save that. And then we're gonna go back into our actual server here. I'm gonna say output last clicked bar. So that's this uh, text output that we created over here. And then we're gonna say render text and then just make it input dollar sign, whatever we made this, so user clicked bar and then we run this, we now can send data back. So now what's happening is just 
you know, we added to the JavaScript just this quick little section. And now whenever we click a bar, the Shiny app knows about it. Um, and so this is obviously like a very simplistic example of what might happen, um, but you can get very complicated. So I've built apps that, you know, do complex selection where the user can drag, you know, boxes around points and then, you know, any anything that you can imagine, you can send back to Shiny um, in whatever form. Um, and so this is just kind of a quick demo showing you that, you know, you don't have to know much JavaScript. And this is kind of a, something that you can stack overflow and find really easily how to, you know, bind user events to different things. Um, and then JavaScript itself has a ton of examples that people post everywhere. Um, things like observable notebooks, which I have a example of over here, um, which are these JavaScript live coding notebooks, uh, kind of like uh, our markdown, um, but they have the code right here and you can change, uh, change the code kind of in real time. Uh, and if you basically can get something working here from all of these like nice examples that people have put in and you just copy and paste it into an R2D3 script and then figure out how to wire it up, it's not too hard. Uh, so that's, that's my quick live coding demo with only one breakdown in the middle of it. So. Well, that was amazing um, in, in many levels. Um, what it's showing me is that it seems like this is a great time to start experimenting with some of these technologies. Um, D3 has gotten obviously a lot of attention and it's a, a big player in the visualization and interactivity space. And the fact that now we have this great bridge to augment that with, um, with Shiny apps and getting it bootstrapped off the ground fairly easily with R2D3, I think that's a really promising uh, development for a lot of us that are getting into this for the first time. Mm -hmm. um, I know you've been, in fact, one of the reasons I've heard about, you know, some of the work you've done previously is that you've done some excellent work in one of the packages you maintain in in an open source called Shiny Sense that mm -hmm. wraps a lot of interesting JavaScript utility or functionality. Um, for those that aren't, and let me also just say, for those that are listening, if you have questions for Nick or myself, please uh, send them into the question panel or the chat and we'll be sure to answer them. Um, but maybe Nick, you could give us a quick overview of Shiny Sense, and also you've recently made some really awesome improvements to it. And what was your process to make those improvements, and how what you just showed kind of relates to that? Yes, um, yeah. So Shiny Sense is uh, a package that I have had for a little bit now, um, and it basically just uh, makes use of the fact that when you have a browser, a modern browser connected to computers, but more specifically, a lot of times to mobile phones, you have access to all of these sensors. Um, and so, you know, on a given typical phone, you have gyroscopes, you have accelerometers, you have a camera, you have microphones, and they have a touch screen. Um, and so Shiny Sense, the idea is to, quote, give shiny senses, right? To sense the world around it. Um, so it's just a series of uh, Shiny modules that can be used in your Shiny app to kind of allow it to take data from the world around it that wouldn't, you know, usually be there. Um, the very first function that I made for it was uh, this thing called Shiny Swiper, uh, which embeds a uh, swiping card uh, into a Shiny app. So you basically just say, uh, 
you wrap whatever UI you would normally have with shiny swiper UI, um, and then you would the the actual reactive uh, output from the server side is a message saying the user swiped right, the user swiped left, the user swiped up, the user swiped down. Um, and that came from uh, a tweet that Jeff Leake sent out where he was building a, a Shiny app to kind of rate tree prints that he had scraped from BioArchive. Um, and he said, you know, this would be great if it was like Tinder, which is an app that you swipe cards to basically say if you like something, you don't like something. Um, but we wanted to do it for, uh, for abstracts. Uh, and uh, I figured that I could do it because I knew JavaScript uh, and it, it turned out to not be that hard. Um, and so once that was put in, uh, things just kind of uh, snowballed from there because I realized that it's pretty easy to bind all of these inputs to JavaScript. And then since it's pretty easy to communicate back and forth with Shiny and JavaScript, all I had to do was kind of make a wrapper and then send it away. Um, and so, yeah, this is the... Uh, more, I recently updated the package to 0.2 because I made some breaking changes, um, but I, I certainly wouldn't call it, uh, I wouldn't give it a major version yet. Um, but uh, the new package has some nice demos that I put in because I think that uh, with Shiny, a lot of times it's hard to kind of see how you would actually use something. So I actually have a few demos in the new uh, version. And so uh, right now the package is, is only on GitHub. I haven't put it on CRAN. So you do uh, dev tools, install GitHub, administrator, shiny sets. To install it, uh, it's obviously already installed on my computer. And then we have this uh, run demo function. Um, and the run demo function will allow you to spin up little shiny apps uh, that uh, can demo the different functions that are in it. Um, and so I figured I would demo a couple. Um, so the first one is Shiny Drawer. Um, and this is uh, meant to kind of uh, mimic those. There was a uh, New York Times article, gosh, a few years back called, how did Obama do? Can you guess it? And so they had these line charts um, and the line charts weren't all the way filled out. And then they said, draw how you think this went. Um, and then they filled in the actual data. And the idea was to let you compare how you thought something was to what the real uh, example was. And then they took back that data and said, you know, you compared to the average guess. Um, and so I figured I could make that in Shiny pretty easily because it seemed like a kind of an interesting example. Um, and so that's what this does. It's basically just like a typical plotting function that you would get, uh, except for instead of uh, plotting just the data, you give it a draw start and this says, you know, obscure all the data from this x-axis point on. Um, and then so users can draw, you know, say like, I think it does this. And then it will fill it in and say, you know, nope, it did this. But the nice thing is that it gives you all of those values down here. And so you can do whatever you want with that. Um, I've seen uh, some examples of people using it in classrooms where, you know, they're teaching about predictive modeling. They say, you know, like, how do you compare to the model? So they have the students draw it, they aggregate all those students' scores, and then they compare it to like a predicted model that they had generated. Um, so that's that's one example. So that's touch, you know, of the senses. That's the touch sense. Uh, we also have a similar one 
that uses that same touch. This one I think is uh, a little bit more of an advanced example, um, but this is uh, based on the idea of some people saying, you know, like, hey, if I am a Bayesian statistician and I have a prior that I want to put on some uh, thing, a lot of times non-experts might have a better idea of what the prior is, but they don't, you know, know how to put that into parameter form. Um, so this was kind of an experiment to see, you know, can we have someone draw a prior and then actually fit that drawing to a real prior so that it can be used in a model. And so if you are a uh, Bayesian, you might draw this. So we drew this and it says, you know, this is the closest beta prior that we could fit to that. Um, and then the idea is, you know, this is just an example of what you could do with some of this input data using Shiny to uh, fit more complex things to real to real uh, info. So like the other one, this has all of the code. So if you want to actually take this and customize it to fit your use case. Um, and then that's really cool. I, I didn't realize you had that example in there and I'm really happy. That might, I might actually work that use that for some work projects. That's really yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, I put it in uh, yesterday. I had, I had built it a while ago after a talk uh, that I gave at USAR 2017, um, and I recently updated everything, and so I figured I would put it in as one of the demos. Um, and then the last demo that I'll give, a lot of the demos use like accelerometer data, and that doesn't work particularly well um, for a screen, screen share because you have to actually see somebody move the thing around. Um, but this one, you'll see, oh, it actually doesn't show. Well, if you could see all of the stuff that my screen was showing, it's it gave me a pop-up uh, asking if I want to allow our studio to use the camera on my computer, um, and I'm going to say yes. Um, so now you can see me, um, and this is Shiny Viewer, um, and this basically lets you take a webcam. So if you're on a phone, there's a little button that says flip to the back uh, and flip to the front, um, and it lets you take a photo, take the photo, and it sends it back to Shiny. Um, it's a wonderful photo of me. So take all these photos. Um, and the idea with this uh, was that there's a lot of, um, you know, deep learning image recognition going on um, with, uh, with uh, you know, image recognition. And it's really easy now to link those deep learning models with R using the R version of Keras that our studio has been putting out. Um, and so this, uh, the idea was to, you know, make it easier for people to actually do useful things uh, with a Keras model and a Shiny package. Um, there are other examples uh, that, like I said, don't really work that well uh, in terms of showing, which is uh, movement data. Um, I actually had an uh, example, uh, see, I'm going to pull it up on Twitter. The, uh, I made a spell casting app using the mover uh, example recently uh, and it used, so you basically use a Shiny app that had a Keras model trained on spell casting um, and you could cast, not quote Harry Potter because I'm not allowed to say that, but uh, apps. And then I uh, noticed recently that uh, actually official app came out a year later that looks mighty suspiciously similar. Um, but the idea is that you can gap, uh, gather and uh, gather training data for different models um, and then also test out the actual models in, in real use cases. 
So that's uh, that's the basic gist of Shiny Sense. Um, that yeah, that helps that's people get inspired. Yeah, I think it's out. really really cool to see what it's capable of, and I can't wait to explore more myself and and some projects. Um, but I wanted to transition a little bit to kind of some of your philosophy and how you've been developing these, and in particular, some of the advice you might have for somebody that's probably new to this and they're wondering, well, if when do I need to kind of bring the full capacity, the full power of, say, customized JavaScript to the, to say, the Shiny app I'm making? Why don't you walk us through kind of your thought process if you're like starting a new app and your ideas of when you go what i'll call this custom route versus using some of the more off the shelf so to speak solutions we could expand on that a bit yeah so that's a tricky question right that's uh that is kind of like the catch 22 of all software development um and to be honest i you know i have a kind of set of heuristics that I sometimes fail to follow because I like to do uh, the cool, interesting thing. And sometimes that's not the most efficient way of doing things. Um, but the general process I follow, which is, and it, it really actually pertains almost just as well to just visualization in general, which is that I start with a static visualization, right? ggplot or base plot. Uh, if that's your thing, are really fantastic tools for visualizing data. And usually people don't like interacting with things. Um, so uh, when I was at the New York Times, we had information on, you know, the actual percentage of people interacting with our visualizations. And it's, you know, it's tiny, something like 5%. Um, so usually, you know, the user of a Shiny app is a little bit different than the average reader of the New York Times. But, um, your work is almost always better spent trying to make a better static visualization, um, especially because ggplot is so easy to use. Um, you basically try to get everything you can out of those static visualizations. Um, but sometimes, especially in kind of like exploratory data situations, uh, which shiny apps a lot of times fit that context, sometimes you need some interactivity. Um, and so my first go-to usually when I want a little bit of interactivity is to use Plotly. Um, you know, Carson Sievert's uh, port of the JavaScript library or kind of wrapper for the JavaScript library in R. Um, and that, you know, that works fantastic, especially with the ggplotly function where you can basically just pass it a ggplot and it, it automatically makes it an uh, interactive plot, which is beautiful. Um, and that gets you very far in terms of general interactivity. You can get things like the selection, you can drag to select, sends information back, uh, and you can bind that in Shiny. Um, but there's, you know, just by virtue of that being a general purpose package, you're always gonna hit limitations. Um, and so one of the more recent examples that I, I had with that was um, I couldn't, I, you know, I needed to, reflect the uh, selections in uh, in a uh, the visualization that I had, but the way that Plotly works, it does a, uh, uh, it, it doesn't make it easy to change the aesthetics uh, in real time. 
Um, and so at that point, I finally decided that I needed to make a custom uh, JavaScript visualization. Um, and so really most, probably 95%, uh, 99 for most people, don't need custom JavaScript visualizations. Um, and especially because JavaScript is tricky to learn. Uh, if you don't know it, it's, you know, the amount of effort you have to invest in learning it can sometimes not be worth trying to find a, a good package. Um, but there are a few examples, I think, of where JavaScript really does shine uh, in these interactivity contexts, which is JavaScript is actually faster than R um, most of the time. Yeah, there's some examples where somebody's optimized the R code really well with like C++ in the background, but JavaScript is really fast. And that's because, you know, Google started optimizing it because the faster they made JavaScript, the faster they could sell people ads. Um, and so if there are calculations that can be done on the fly that really pertain only to the visualization, keeping that in JavaScript is a really good idea. It also uh, selfishly means that the computational load is taken off of Shiny and put on the user's browser because JavaScript all runs in the browser. Um, and it also just allows real-time feedback because there's no latency of sending the code between Shiny and JavaScript. And you know, anytime that you have to send data back and forth between a, the browser and the server is gonna uh, cause some slowdowns. Um, and so basically, once I've decided that I've exhausted all of the options of keeping things static or just using Plotly, that's when I personally start using custom JavaScript. Uh, kind of a long-winded answer, but you know, it, every use case is going to be a little bit different. Um, and it's that classic case of premature optimization. It's the root of all evil. So usually it's not a good idea to start with JavaScript. It's only once you've realized that there's some frustrating uh, limitation in the interaction in your app that could be solved by JavaScript that it might be worth trying to find a custom solution. Yeah, that's really helpful advice. And it's actually consistent um, um, with actually, so like you mentioned, Carson Sievers even had similar advice um, at a recent JSM panel discussion. And I, I, I concur. And now I personally have gone a long way with exhausting the kind of HTML widget solutions that are wrapping these JavaScript libraries. I mean, like, like thank goodness for things like Plotly, DT, et cetera. And it's only now that I'm starting to hit some limits and some widgets that maybe haven't been wrapped yet in JavaScript or, or in, I should say in HTML widgets or like using R2D3 to bridge between that and mm -hmm. Shiny. But having this thought process that you just outlined, I think is really valuable for a lot of us that are either beginning this realm of we're, somewhat experienced with Shiny, but now we're starting to get into this realm of needing to maybe bring some custom stuff and maybe not, but just getting away of the land on what's mm -hmm. out there and, and things you have to think about. Um, so we're, we're getting some great questions. I'll, I'll kind of start with one of them is that, mm -hmm. um, what kind of resources might you recommend for somebody that to kind of get up to speed or what's helped you get up to speed to how bridge say maybe maybe um give yourself oriented with some capabilities of javascript or d3 what are some of the things that have been helpful for you so when i originally started learning javascript the book that i read uh was interactive data visualization for the web uh by i believe his name is scott murray um and that was fantastic 
Uh, there's now a second edition of that that's more modern because I, you know, I started learning about five years ago, I believe. Um, so there's a new, you know, with the more modern stuff. Uh, that being said, there are a lot more resources now um, that allow you to do stuff uh, kind of interactively and in real time. And one, one that I've recently seen uh, is uh, this by a, a woman named uh, Amanda Wattenberg, I believe is her name. Um, she has this really fantastic um, like full stack uh, JavaScript visualization course slash book uh, that she has recently made. Uh, and I think that that honestly, if I was starting uh, with JavaScript now, or, and especially with D3, that's probably where I would um, would start out with Amelia Wattenberger. Excuse me, I gave her name wrong. Uh, and we, we can post a, a link uh, to this in the future. But she, you know, she's been doing some really great stuff, kind of teaching D3. Uh, and I, I use D3 and JavaScript visualization kind of interchangeably, although D3 is it's kind of like saying visualization in R is the same thing as ggplot. Um, but for all intents and purposes, you know, D3 is kind of the most custom way of doing it. Um, but this new resource that uh, Amelia Wattenberger has put out does a really good job of kind of giving you the lay of the land of kind of what's going on because there's a lot of different uh, functionality and kind of uh, more kind of like conceptual differences between uh, something like ggplot and D3. Um, and so she does a really good job uh, doing that. And then also just examples. Uh, and I know as someone who has been a beginner many times and many things, it's very frustrating when someone just says like, read the documentation or read the examples um, because you know it's really hard to get an idea if you don't have any idea of what's going on. It can be uh, it getting thrown into the deep end is not great. But the observable notebooks that I pointed out previously I think are a really good example of they give you a fully functioning uh, visualization if you use somebody else's notebook and then you can tinker with it slowly. You can fork it just like you can on GitHub um, and play with it. I think that that's been a really good way for me to continue learning. And I think as someone that would be starting out, I think it would be a really great uh, example of learning. Um, another one is the, uh, there's a, person that runs these, uh, it's like how to make this graph, uh, I, I should know this, it's like graph library for R, I believe. And he started doing uh, the gra R graph gallery, yes. Oh, uh, yes. So, so R graph gallery is great and the same, um, the same person, it might be a group of people, I'm not sure, has one for D3 as well. Um, and so I think that that is a great resource of, you know, I know how to make a histogram in D3 or in, in ggplot, but I want to know how to make it in uh, D3. I think that this is a great example because, you know, he has the same categories and you can click on it and it, it'll give you these nice uh, examples. So I think once you start with something like a, you know, a more guided book to kind of really get you into the basics so you actually understand what different things mean, then by virtue of JavaScript 
being such a big language, there are just a ton of examples out there for people to learn from. Um, and then just breaking stuff, right? You, you're gonna break stuff, uh, as people have seen already, I break stuff still all the time. Um, so yeah, just diving in and then you can basically do anything that you want to. Um, it's just a matter of how much uh, time you put into it, so. Yeah, that's really helpful to get your insights on that. And I know as somebody that, again, I even though I've been using R for probably longer than I should say many years, it's um, the world of JavaScript has always felt like this mystical world of so many things out there, so many tutorials, so many you know examples. But getting kind of this curated list from you, I think kind of, at least from my standpoint, demystifies where to start and it gives me a good launching point but just weeding through all that has been kind of a battle for me personally. So this is yeah. really exciting to see this outlined by you. And we'll have, we'll have links to everything uh, Nick has mentioned in the um, RStudio community post that we send out um, after this webinar. So please uh, stay tuned for that. Um, I know we're getting a little bit short on time, but I have a couple more questions from our, from our mm -hmm. panel uh, that have been sent. Um, one was particular, going back to Shiny Sense for a second. Um, is it possible to use Shining Sense or perhaps R2D3 or some combination of them to take not just the picture input that you, you showed off, but actually video input and somehow process that in R? So it is not possible, the current form of Shining Sense. And that really comes down to the fact uh, that that interface, I mentioned briefly that the interface between JavaScript and Shiny is basically sending raw text files. So you send this message and you send it as a string essentially. Um, and so when we send uh, an image back, what I'm actually doing is encoding that whole image in a base 64 uh, encoding and then sending that back and then R then reconverts it into image format. So that itself is already a little bit slow and so the idea of adding video into that you know greatly increasing the throughput is something that i don't know how to do yet uh do it efficiently but there are some really interesting uh there's some really interesting work uh using web sockets our studio actually has a package called web sockets oh yes uh, that that handles this streaming data and WebSockets are actually kind of designed to deal with this problem um, where you can send binary data so as efficient as you can get it back and forth between the server and a, and a streaming uh, context um, and the WebSockets package for R in the little bit that I've explored it seems like it it, it handles this streaming context uh, well um, and so that's that's something in the future I'm going to look into um, that being said, a lot of the things that go with video, I feel like might be better to keep on the JavaScript end. Um, so there's, there's, if you're doing deep learning stuff, uh, TensorFlow itself, there's a TensorFlow.js package. And the TensorFlow.js package um, has this really nice functionality that if you build a TensorFlow model, Keras or TensorFlow model in Python or R, it can slurp up that model and then run it in the browser in JavaScript. And so uh, kind of going back to that idea of like, keep as much in the JavaScript as you can. If it, you know, if the data only pertains to what's being shown, 
don't send it back to the server. Um, you could conceivably, you know, build a model that does, um, you know, image recognition in video, real-time image recognition in R, and then send that model to JavaScript, and then uh, just have the actual JavaScript running in real time, but having used the model that was automatically sent to it. Um, and that's another thing that, you know, I have looked into uh, exploring. Uh, and I guess, I think it's it's more of a matter of getting uh, a critical mass of people interested in it, that it becomes worth it. Um, but yeah, that's, it's tricky. Um, and that's kind of currently the bottleneck uh, between the two systems, so. Yeah, that's really neat. Um, as somebody who does a lot of kind of video and audio processing, of course, outside of JavaScript, I can only imagine how complex that's going to be yeah. to to make all that seamless. Um, so we got a couple other uh, great questions here. Um, one is saying, I'm fairly comfortable with JavaScript and I'm looking for a good starting point to integrate JavaScript with Shiny. However, I don't have a specific idea in mind. Does your package yeah. or perhaps you know of other packages that have more maybe simple kind of feature requests that maybe a first time contributor can maybe get into? Um, what are your thoughts on that? That is a good question. Uh, let me see. I have, uh, as any good open source project does, I have a whole list of issues on Chinese sense. Great. Um, it obviously there's always going to be different, uh, things that need to be done. I think, yeah, actually. So one that has been asked for is similar vein to the videos. It, the, I have this shiny listener function right now. And what Shiny Listener does is it listens uh, to the audio that you record, but you record for like two seconds, and then it returns the frequency distribution back to um, Shiny. So it says, here's the fast Fourier transformed version of your recording. And so there's no temporal information in there. There's no raw data. There's no raw audio waveform. Um, and the selfish reason for that is, is that I built Shiny Listener to test out a model that I had built to classify those frequency distributions. Um, but I have had requests on from multiple people actually saying, I want it to give me back the raw audio. Uh, and that is really valuable, especially kind of going on this deep learning uh, kick. A lot of new models are actually working on the raw waveform of the um, audio. So there's, there's certainly a reason to do it. And I don't think that, that it would be too hard. Obviously, those are famous last words. Um, <laughs> I think if someone said, like, what's the easiest thing that you could uh, change, it would be something like adding a raw input, uh, a raw data output uh, example or functionality to it. Um, another one is in the shiny drawer. One, Thing that I think would be cool is having it be a free drawing situation. Right now, you're stuck to this kind of like line chart idea. Sure. But if you could let somebody draw anything. And so I've actually used this in non shiny based stuff where if you're testing out a classifier, you draw, you know, like one class by just like, you know, drawing a little bubble over here. And then you draw another class and you say, can my model fit that? Um, and there's no reason why that couldn't be used uh, in shiny too. I think it would be really valuable. And there's a lot of examples of doing that in just JavaScript. 
Uh, so I think that would be kind of a cool enhancement. Um, and those are all selfish things, right? That's my package. I'm sure that there are lots of examples of people that need different things. Um, and one, one point that I think is valuable for this, you know, maybe the people in this webinar and maybe not the exact people that this pertains to because they, they're clearly interested about JavaScript itself. But I think that this really nice time that we're in for how easy it is to make JavaScript visualizations is nice because we're going to be able to have hopefully a proliferation, uh, a proliferation of packages that make these like single use bespoke charts. You know, somebody might have a single example that doesn't really fit into the, uh, our, the you know, isn't worth, you know, a full pull request to something like ggplot or plotly. Um, but they, you know, they have a chart that they use that might be interesting to other people um, and they could build like a one-off package that does just that. Um, and so I think that that's kind of cool. You know, you might have a type of chart that you like to make in JavaScript, um, you know, like be it a, a, an example that I use actually a lot is labeling, you know, putting labels in the correct place on scatter plots. Oh yeah, that comes up a lot of work too. Yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. I have internal packages uh, for my lab where you can actually, I, I can show this real quick. Uh, I know we don't have that much time, but I will just demo uh, one thing really quick, uh, which is this. So this is actually a app that I've made. Oh, is it not showing? There it's not go. showing yet. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Sorry. There we go. This yeah, is yeah. an app. This is a shiny app. And everything is everything that you see is custom JavaScript. Um, and so the example uh, that I will use, watch me break it now, uh, is this. So we have people that you know say they want. Oh, I apologize. These plots. So we make a network plot. They can select data, doing other stuff over here. But one of the things that people have wanted is, you know, they want to take a uh, plot and make a figure for a publication. Um, and so we added this export mode, which you just click this and it turns on these callouts and people can actually just select and drag them around, um, you know, because they're gonna overlap. Um, and then once they've done that, they can download the plot. Um, and so something like that, little kind of one-off examples like that, where like that functionality is not gonna be really worth directly putting into something uh, like ggplot, um, although there are actually really good examples, but something like that, wrapping that up into a package, I think would be a really good way to start. Um, and if anybody wants to do that and they don't actually know where to start, they should feel free to contact me via Twitter uh, or my email or basically any way that they want to. Um, and I would be more than willing to help because I think that there are a lot of people that are really good at JavaScript and probably a lot better than me. Uh, that have really good ideas, and I want them to share those with the world. Yeah, that's really excellent work, and I think you presented uh, that that project, or at least parts of that, at the recent R Studio conference. So we'll definitely have a link to, to your did, yes. um, repo on that, in, in the episode uh, post that we'll send out too. Um, yeah, so we're we're getting a little bit short on time. We have a couple more. I think we can knock out quick. Yes. Um, you had mentioned early on in our webinar about some of your work with the New York Times. Um, question was, what kind of interactions do the 5% or so of people that use interactions that the New York Times engage in? Do you have any mm -hmm. thoughts on that? 
it's mostly really simple things. It's like uh, mousing over uh, plots, you know. So something like there might be a, a a plot that is a scatter plot, and if you mouse over something, it gets you know it says like what this data point is for. It's stuff like that, um, which is actually why you know there's an active push. At least there was when I was there three years ago. So things might have changed um, to kind of you know if you're going to have a plot that has interactivity never make the full point of that plot need to be accessed by interactivity. So, you know, if there's interesting things, using annotations is really important um, because, yeah, that's what people were doing is just doing mouse overs. And so the idea is to try to make the interactions for uh, visualizations like that, where they're explanatory in nature, making them just like kind of little bonus things. Um, so yeah, that by virtue of that 5% interaction rate, you know, things have changed now where they try to kind of preempt that. Um, but yeah, it's always really simple. You very, very rarely get someone that is going to like dig into what you're doing, uh, which is, you know, an unfortunate situation when you spend a lot of your time doing that. But, uh, <laughs> some, you know, honestly, sometimes it's just worth it. You know, <laughs> you spend that time just for those, that 5%. Uh, so, but it's, it's yeah. from a, you know, economic standpoint, you have to, you have to take that balance. Yeah, I can relate to that in a sense where a lot of the applications I develop are not so much they're going to go over to the entire company, but it's like a very niche group of statisticians. Maybe a few use it at a time, maybe a handful per year, but when it, they need to use it, it needs to be perfect. So I, I take a lot of pride in that too, but I can, I can definitely relate to that experience. Yep. Yeah, well, this is this. I've learned so much just in the short time we've had, Nick. I got lots of things I'm personally going to follow up with, and I certainly want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to to join us. And um, for those that want to keep up with some of your work, where can they best reach you or keep up with what you're doing? So uh, I think the easiest place to kind of follow what I do work-wise is Twitter. Um, so my handle is Nicholas Strayer, just all. I made it a long time ago, and I, it's one of those things that I regret is my full name. I don't take myself seriously enough to ask anybody to call me Nicholas, um, but, my Twitter, <laughs> but my Twitter handle does. Um, and so I kind of post a lot of stuff about uh, JavaScript and data science in general there. Um, I also have a blog that I do with uh, Lucy D'Agostino McGowan uh, called Live Free or Dichotomize. Um, so that's just at livefreeordichotomize.com. Um, and that has a, you know, that's an excellent blog. I will highly recommend it. Very good reading. Yep. Um, yeah. So I do, I do some stuff there that, that a lot of that stuff is, uh, I like to post kind of longer form simulation stuff there. So, uh, that's, that's probably a, if you actually want substantive stuff from me other than, you know, Twitter tweets, uh, that's probably the best place. Uh, and then I have a website that I keep moderately updated, which is just nickstrayer.me, um, and then GitHub, uh, which is nstrayer. Um, but yeah, that, that, I have all sorts of internet presences uh, that are somewhat interesting. Oh, I, I think you're selling so short. They're very interesting to me. <laughs> um, so, but thank you again so much. And I know we're, we're about to wrap up here. I'll just mention again that we welcome your feedback. We will have a, a post on the RStudio community portal. You'll look for that um, hopefully very soon. I will also um, process the recording of this. And by early next week, we'll have it posted on shinydevseries.com if you want to listen to some of this great insights again. 
Um, so again, thank you so much for those uh, around the world for joining us for this um, excellent webinar. And um, we'll be back in October to talk about the Shiny JQUI package. And looking forward to that. So until next time, thanks for listening.